0: Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby say Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't going to tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. You have your Bibles and you would like to follow along, turn with me to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. I am glad that my wife is here today. Um, She wasn't here uh, last Sunday because uh, most of y'all that that attend here have probably seen Busy, the Sky Terrier. Um, She had puppies last Saturday and it's probably her last litter, maybe one more. But it was really weird because I'm not a dog breeder, so I'm learning a lot of stuff about breeding dogs, and Cammy is just a whiz at whelping out puppies and getting them going and everything like that. But as long as we've been together, we've never lost a puppy, and uh, we we actually lost two this time. It was like it was two separate breedings. Uh, four of the four of the puppies out of the six were big, strong, and healthy and about three of them were about half the size. So she ai would busy at first and then live covered her after that. And it was like there was two different pregnancies, but they gave birth all at once. But I'll never forget whenever this, one was just born stillborn, but the other one, uh, her and a friend worked on that little baby for probably two hours. And I could tell what was going on without being in there. And I'll never forget, I started praying and uh, for that puppy. And uh, I could hear uh, Cammy and her friend in there, and she'd be like, "Oh, that's good, that's good." They were giving it Cairo syrup and really massaging it and keeping it warm, and they had to give it CPR. And you know, I would hear, "Oh, that's good, you're good, good." And I was like, "Yes, it's out of the woods, you know." And then like, "Come on, baby, come on, baby." And I was just, I kept praying. I even sent Ty and Mitch and Tyler a, a text asking them to to pray for that puppy because Cammy was giving it her all, but if, there's only so much you could do. And so in the end, uh she just gave the puppy to the mama and let her lick all over it and love on it before it passed away, but uh I'll never forget. I, I I'm, a, I'm an emotional guy. <laughs> the older I get, the worse it gets. I mean, it's kind of strange, but uh, anyway, Cammy came in there finally and I mean, tears were just running down her face and she was just a- crying and she hugged me and she said, baby, my heart is breaking. <laughs> and I knew it was. And I didn't know, what are you say in that deal? And I, so I just told her, I said, honey, if your heart's breaking, you can have mine. And she just started crying even harder. That was not the point. I was trying to make her feel better and, and maybe it did in, in a certain way, but uh, you ever had your heart broke? Boy, isn't that one of the hardest things in the world to deal with is that whenever, yep, that's about how my day's gone uh, it's so amazing how much it hurts. And even if you're prepared for it, it doesn't make any difference, man. When your heart breaks, you know, I, I, I found out that some friends of mine, she, uh, she lost her son on Thanksgiving day, you know, just heart broke. Well, is there anything do you think that actually broke God's heart? Can can God, who lives in heaven where there's no pain, there's no suffering, blah, 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 can can something happen that would break God's heart? Well, now we can infer a lot of things where God might have had his heart broken a time or two. But there's a specific instance in Genesis chapter 6 where it spells it out in black and white that God's heart was absolutely broken. And it's found in Genesis chapter six, verses five and six. And it says this, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. And he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them And put them on the earth. It broke his heart. (laughs) It broke his heart. Today, we are going to be talking about Noah and the ark. We are going to be visiting some of these old Sunday school Bible stories that, that a lot of people have grown up with. And I have this idea in my mind from talking to thousands of people all along that that they might've had a, an upbringing in church kind of like their parents did where you take the kids to Sunday school and then they stay at Sunday school and then all the Sunday school sits together at church and then the parents pick them up after church and go eat. Well, that's, there's, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but when they get a little bit older, they do exactly what their parents did, and when they start having kids, they don't go to church, they just take their kids to Sunday school so somebody can teach them about God, and then they go pick them up. Well, when they reach adulthood, they think because they've been going to church since they were itty-bitty that they know a lot, And what I'm finding out is that most Christians don't know as much as they think they do. And neither do I, for that matter. But we are going to, we are in the second part of a series called Grown Ups, the journey from a childlike faith. To a grown-up salvation. Last week we talked about creation, the six days, and then when he rested on the seventh, and the things that he told Adam to be in charge of, and then he made Eve, and then uh, the serpent, and the whole sinful fall where Adam sinned. Understand that? Adam sinned. It didn't matter that Eve took a bite of the fruit first. God didn't tell her not to eat it. He told Adam that they weren't supposed to eat it. So it was Adam's fault and make no mistake about it, Adam was standing there when it happened because she took a bite and handed it to him and he took a bite. He was too worried about instead of offending God, he didn't want to offend the girl. So we talked about then the third story of the creation process, Cain and Abel, and the sacrifices, and that there's something that God wants more than a sacrifice. It was a really good talk, and if you missed last week, I encourage you to go back and do it. But everybody has heard the story of Noah's Ark. And unfortunately, most of the time when we talk about Noah's Ark, I I, I think that you, know, you can go on Amazon right now if you have a young child and you can buy all the decorations to decorate your uh, baby room with Noah's Ark. You've seen it. It's a little boat and it has all the giraffes' heads sticking out and the, and the elephants are, are smiling and you know all of that. And, and that's all good and well for little kids. But the grown-up version is so much different, isn't it? We are talking about wickedness on a global scale. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally, not just a little bit, was consistently and totally evil. So what is wickedness, though? What what is wickedness? It's not just sin. Sin is wickedness, okay? But it is purposeful and celebrated sinfulness, okay? It's kind of like in the Corinth when Paul wrote the letter to the Corinthians, there was a (laughs) excuse me, there was a guy sleeping with his stepmother, and Paul had to get on to him about it because. They, nobody thought that was a bad idea. I don't know why. So that's what we're talking about wickedness. It is a purposeful and celebrated sinfulness, it is evil for evil's sake. See, no one is accidentally sacrificing their firstborn sons to Baal, okay? Nobody, oh, I sacrificed my kid. You, know, you don't do that. And, and, you know, nobody subconsciously goes and, and, and murders men and women, okay? This is celebrated and purposeful sinfulness. Says that the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness, these aren't people that are trying. Okay, these are people that have just shucked caution to the wind and says, "I'm going to live however I want to live, however I want to live, whenever I want to live, and ain't nobody going to stop me." And God was like, uh, "Hello, I can stop you. I can stop you." The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and He saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. Everything they thought or imagined, think about that. See, you've had a bad thought before. Have Have y'all ever done that or am I the only one? Like, you'll be driving down the road and you're like, what would happen if I just veered into the other lane and hit that car head on? Right, and you're like, what in the world? That is stupid. I went on a cruise one time and looked over the balcony and thought, I bet I could make that jump. (laughs) What in the world is that, right? So we've had these thoughts before, right? We've all done this. You've had some bad thoughts before. I've had some bad thoughts. But it says everything they thought or imagined. So are, are we like, I mean, you've told yourself a million times next time I'm going to say this or that, right? Like, like if you have a, a a confrontation with a coworker or something like that, you get home and you're telling your spouse about it and you're like, next time I'm going to say this, man, you are planning to get back, right? That's what this is. This is purposeful and intentional celebrated sinfulness. See... You've, just like me, have thought, had some pretty rank thoughts in your life. So what makes you different than them in the time of Noah? What makes you so different than that time? Well, nothing really, and that's the scary part. Because, see, we're sinful just like they are. Well, maybe there were a few things that were different. See, the Bible says, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth that he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. What that means is there wasn't a struggle. And see, if you are a practicing Christian If you are a practicing Christian, you've heard me say this before, a lot of times whenever I like go up to somebody and they find out that I'm a preacher or something like that, and they say, well, I'm a believer too. I want to just hug them and say, man, I know what it's like. I know that struggle and most of the time when I say that to people, they're like, oh no, God's great, he's blessed me 100%. (laughs) Well, you must be doing something that I don't do. Because see, my, my life is marked by struggle. Struggling to do God's will, not my own. Struggling to do what is right. I mean like, it, it, it's a funny saying, but how true is it? Uh, no good deed goes unpunished, right? No good deed goes unpunished. So if you're doing good deeds, I know you're struggling because the world fights against that stuff. The wor- You know, have you ever noticed, man? See, I, y'all are probably like me. I hear of people that's like, oh, that's their ninth DUI and their 12th drug bust, and they got two days community service. Man, if I went 57 in a 55, they would impound my vehicle. That's the kind of luck that I have. Right. Y'all the same way, like, you know, these people doing all of this stuff and they're slapped on the wrist. And if I did something bad, I'd probably be put away for 50 years. See, everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. There was they did not struggle to try to do what is right. Left to our own ambitions and desires. That is the result that is the result of totally uncomprehensible evil in the eyes of God. Doing everything exactly the opposite of, as God would have us live. The struggle to do what is right. How about this one? The struggle when you try so hard for so long and then you fail. You ever had that? Boy, I have. You think you got something whooped and the next day, man, you are yard darted right onto your noggin, right? We've all been there. The struggle to do what is right. See, the struggle is the mark of the Christian. The suffering servant. It, it flies in the face of everything that the world tries to tell us, but what God tries to tell us is, if you will do it right this time, right now, I will give you eternity where you don't have to struggle. That struggle to trust in what you can't see instead of what you can hold in your hand, right? See, Jesus said, blessed are you who saw and believed, but how much more blessed are those that believed without seeing? That is us. Now, we can see creation all around us and see what God has done, but we're not holding on to him. We're not putting our fingers in the nail-scarred hands like Thomas did, right? We're out here just struggling. But if the crazy part is, it's in the struggle that you find the peace that surpasses all understanding because you shouldn't be able to find peace during struggle, but God said you can. God said, I will be that for you. Many of you might have seen a post that I did on social media this week, weekend. It's, it was talking about when Jesus stood in front of Pilate and Pilate asked Jesus a question. He said, what is truth? And Jesus never said anything. Why? Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. He answered by his presence. I'm right here. See, a lot of you might not be getting any answers that you want, but you have the answer you need. Because see, Jesus is not minimizing the problems that you have in your life. He's maximizing the impact he will have on your whole life. Not just a little bit of it. The struggle was, they thought or everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. How about this one? Do you struggle in your workplace as one of the few that you believe are truly trying to live a life that God would have you live? It's tough to be that. I mean, my gosh, I was a preacher and worked in the oil field. You want to talk, and I I came from a prison setting. And a cowboy culture. My gosh. You want to talk about three doses of the way those three cultures talk to each other and do things is not necessarily the godly way. And it's a struggle to be a godly person in an ungodly world. But the struggle means you're doing it right, not that you're doing it wrong. Now, there is a struggle if you make a dumb decision. Listen, if you go put your hand on the electric fence and it shocks you, that is not the struggle we're talking about, okay? My my granddaughter, Rome, she's six, and uh, she'd come stay the weekend with Papa a while back. And I we've got a little electric dog fence because the fence is only about this big, and we have dogs that are taller than the fence and they could just hop over. So I put a hot wire on there. I'll teach you, right? And, and it did. But when Rome's there, I, I disconnected because she likes to go see the puppies and the, and the dogs and stuff. So I told her, I said, get in the, get in the truck, stay there, and we'll, I'm going to take you back. She said, okay. So I went and put the dogs up, plugged the hot wire back in, walked inside to get my drink, came back out, and Rome is outside of the truck bawling and a-squalling because guess what? She got hit by the electric fence because she didn't do what I told her to. I told her, stay in the truck. She didn't want to stay in the truck. She wanted to go tell the dogs by again. See, that's how we we operate as Christians a lot of times. We don't do what God tells us to. We don't stay in the truck. We get out and do what we want to do, and then something happens, and, and, and we suffer for it. That is not the struggle I'm talking about. I'm talking about the struggle when you know that you're doing it the right way, And you get rocks thrown at you for it. It's tough. These struggles that we talked about, see, in the days of Noah, Noah was the only one struggling with those things. Struggling to do what God told him. It had never rained before. It didn't need to. It was perfect. But he told people that it was going to rain, that a flood was going to wipe them out, and that's why he's building the boat. Nobody believed him. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on earth. It broke his heart. But before we relegate Noah and the ark to Bible story land, what significance does Noah have in the New Testament? Did you know Noah is mentioned many, many times in the New Testament? The one that we're going to talk about is called the Olivet Discourse, okay? So if you ever hear a term called the Olivet Discourse, or just, yeah, discourse, um, it is when Jesus went to the Mount of Olives and preached about what was going to happen, okay? And this is what he has to say about Noah, When the Son of Man returns, now you have to set the seat, you know, Jesus is sitting on the Mount of Olives, me and Ty and Gary and a few others have been right there on the Mount of Olives and that's where Jesus is going to return to, but he's on the Mount of Olives and he's he's talking to all of his guys and he says, when the Son of Man returns, y'all ever notice how much Jesus talks in third person about himself? I think I'm going to start doing it. The preacher at Save the Cowboys said that, uh, not really, when the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah got on the boat, right? Now, now think about that. See, I, I think that when we think back to Noah's time, we think of people in animal skins with rock hammers and talking in guttural languages. <laughs> no, this was an advanced civilization. Okay, they built cities. I mean, Noah built a boat that was huge, right? Took him like 100 years to build it, I think, something like that. I mean, these were not cavemen that were unga and stuff like that. No, they were having banquets and parties And weddings, weddings were all the way back in Noah's day. And what is happening today? Parties, banquets, weddings. See, Jesus says, when the son of man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up until the time Noah entered his boat. So it's going to be like Noah's day when Jesus comes back. You mean people that don't even try to do what God would want? You mean those people that chase their own fleeting desires and it's, it's always temporarily exciting, but you have to do more of it, more enough to get that high again and all of that? See, Jesus says, when I come back, when God sends me back, the people are going to be no different than they were in Noah's day. It's easy to think about babies being sacrificed as a cause to wipe them out, right? I mean, everything that they did was completely, utterly, and totally evil in the sight of God. And you think, what would somebody deserve to be killed in the flood? Everybody except eight people on the earth, right? Well, they were having parties and banquets. Now, what they were doing at these parties and banquets and weddings, I'm not real sure. But if it's anything like Sodom and Gomorrah, it was not something that God would want. But did you know what the only unforgivable sin is? The only unforgivable sin is the sin of unbelief. See, anything and everything can be forgiven except the sin of of unbelief because you have to believe in Jesus and who he is and God's plan for our life we must believe in that in order to be forgiven so that there's only one sin that cannot be forgiven and that's the sin of unbelief but really that is more easily seen in people that they just don't care there, there's no struggle in their life. They're going to do what they want to do, and it doesn't really matter about much else. They just don't care anymore. Most of the ones who do claim to be believers but don't have a home church or anything like that, a lot of times when you ask them what they believe, I talked about this last week, they tell you more of what they don't believe and what they do, well, I don't believe you have to tithe, I don't believe you have to, you know, go to a church service, I don't believe in corporate worship, the pastor is, is, is where I worship, no, it's not, no, it's not, you don't do that, you may say a prayer, but you do not go out into the pasture or horseback for the sole purpose to worship God, you do not do that, okay, it's hogwash, I'm sorry. They're missing out on so much community and stuff like that. It will be like in the days of Noah, people just don't care anymore. They don't, they don't care about what's right and what's wrong. I mean, my gosh, now we don't even argue about whether abortion is right or not in the eyes of God. Now we argue over when a fetus is alive and when it's not, right? I mean, we are to that point, maybe not right to the point, but we are this looks like Noah's day to me. I mean, people are doing ungodly things. You know, they, they won't let their kids get uh, tattoos, but they, but they will give them hormone replacement therapy and stuff like that. I mean, guys, this stuff is not good as it was in the days of Noah. People just don't care anymore. They're just going to parties and banquets and they're making plans for a future that's not theirs right i mean they've been warned noah told them the rain's coming the flood's coming repent right get on the boat i'll give you room nobody did nobody did see jesus warns us to store up your treasures in heaven not on earth Shore up your treasures in heavens where moths and rust and, and thieves can't get to it. Well, that's all great, Jesus. Because we don't, we, we, if, if this is the days of Noah, we want to be like Noah, not like the rest of them. So what do we do, God? How do we do that? How do we actively follow you? How do we be sure we are on the ark and not standing in the rain when Jesus comes back? Because Jesus also says later on, in that, all of that discourse that one man will be doing work in the field, two men will be working in the field, one will be taken, one not. Two women will be grinding corn, one will be taken and one will not. See, the rapture is going to happen no different when the, when the rain started to come. Once it started raining, it was, it was too late, right? Where are you at today? Where are you at? Are, are, you, are you more on the side of Noah or, or do we just not care anymore? How, how do we keep from being like the people were in the days of Noah and we'll quit with this? The first thing that I think that we all have to do, we all need to do, we should do, the thing that will change our lives the most, most is to develop an active faith, not a private one. Not one that's, that's sealed away where nobody can, can see it. Develop an active faith. And, and what do I mean by active? How about We repent of those sins or that sin that we struggle with so bad that we can't let go. I don't know what yours is. I know what mine is. I know what mine are, not is, right? Repent of that sin that you've been hiding. Just walk away from it. Walk away from it. Repent of that sin that you're hiding. This is how to develop an act of faith. The second thing you can do is quit making excuses for doing it God's way. See, God's way is always harder. He says, man, if you have a problem with somebody, go to that person face-to-face, man-to-man, eyeball-to-eyeball, and y'all talk about it. (laughs) You see that done very much anymore? Nah. What they do is they go talk crud about everybody on social media and blah, 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 blah. See, nobody wants to die to self, but we should. Quit making excuses about doing things God's way. You know what you never have to pray about? You never have to pray about doing something that God already said to do. It's, it's crazy to me. Well, I'm, I'm going to have to pray about getting baptized. Oh, really? God told you to do it. <laughs> I mean, you know, get baptized. I mean, I loved it last week. Started off with with one and then three and then four. We should do that every Sunday, right? And we do have one coming up on the ninth or the 10th. That's going to be fun. Uh, Listen, quit making excuses about having active faith. Get baptized. Get you a Bible and start reading it. Go volunteer somewhere. How about this? How about making that overdue phone call? Yeah, that one. Start being bold. Start being bold in your faith. Don't hide it. Don't hide it. Pray for people right then. Have have y'all been doing that? I've seen a few of you do it, right? So we're, and, and it's kind of a challenge that I've thrown out there, and I, and I do it nearly every time. There, there may be a few uh, cases that I don't, but think about this. Don't ever tell somebody, hey, I'm going to remember you in my prayers. Take your hat off and pray for them right there. Don't you think that would mean more that they hear you? Then, then yeah, he's probably never going to think twice about that when he gets home. Netflix is on, right? The new show's out. Be act. Start being bold, don't hide your faith, pray for people out loud right there. And it's scary, it is, but it's so meaningful. Have as bold, listen to this, have as bold of a rest ethic as you do a work ethic. Say I was telling my guys the other day that I've, I've been making rest, I, I schedule it. <laughs> I, I schedule it, because if not I'm gonna just I'll go till nine or 10 o'clock at night. So I just have to schedule my faith. Develop an active faith. Be bold in that faith and don't lock yourself away. See, we were made to be part of a church, a community of like-minded people. And, and you know what, I was, I was talking to Kelly the other night and standing here on, on this stage grants me a little different viewpoint than what y'all have down there, but we do have an amazing online and here in Kiowa, we have an amazing community of believers. There's nothing in this church that if somebody needed something, somebody else wouldn't be able to help or maybe all of us help. See, we were made to be part of an ecclesia, a community of like-minded believers, and that's what we have here. Don't lock yourself away. Develop discipline. It's easy. Do you know what my definition of discipline is? Do it anyway. Do it anyway. See, let me tell you about about the Christian life. There's going to be times that you were really, really motivated Boy, you got the Bible, you've been to church four Sundays in a row, blah, 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 got baptized, whatever, right? But motivation doesn't last very long. See, when the motivation stops, that's where discipline needs to kick in. You do it because it's the right thing to do, and you do it anyway. It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter matter how you feel. It matters what God said, right? It doesn't matter what's going on. God comes first every single time. And it doesn't matter how ashamed you are. Go tell him what you did. You'll feel better when you do. Develop an active faith. See, one day, one day, and in the grand scheme of things, it's probably less than about 30 or 40 years If that long Until you meet Jesus Either on the day of his return Or on the day of your death Will you be ready for both? Because if you're not ready for one You're not ready for the other Don't let it be like the days of Noah The struggle Means you're doing something right The struggle to do what is right The struggle to live according to God's word The struggle to hold on To his promises in an evil world To know that that when we call on the name of the Lord, we shall be saved once and for all time. It doesn't matter how ashamed you are. Go tell your dad what you did. Go confess up. You'll feel so much better when you do. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your messages. The tough ones, the hard ones, the funny ones, the serious ones. God, you use these things to our benefit. And I want to pray right now, God, for all of those that are struggling. God, those that are doing their dangest to live according to you. And the funny thing about it is, God, the closer we get to you, the more we see our sinfulness. But also, the more we see the forgiveness that is available to us. When we call on you as Lord and creator, and God, I pray for boldness in this for everybody that's listening to the sound of my voice, that they will be bold in their faith, that they will pray for people out loud, and that they will live according to the way Jesus told us to live. And he said to love God and love others. God help us to do both of those things. And it's in Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen.